Good morning and happy Saturday. Time now for a fresh new edition of the Bob Rose Rewind. We've got some great guests lined up. We'll start it off with Second Amendment supporter Chris Wagner, the recent terrible shooting in Buffalo, red flag laws, mental illness, and more. Right now on the Bob Rose Rewind, 97.3 The Sky. Chris Wagner, welcome back to the Bob Rose Show. How are you doing this morning? Great, Bob. How are you guys doing? We're hanging in there. Look, we're, uh, you know, we've got some questions here, and you're the Second Amendment guy, amongst other things, uh, you know, fishing captain and everything else. But um, these red flag laws, they're, they're right from the get-go, people, there were people that, conservative in nature usually, who said, wait a second, you got to be careful. That's a slippery slope. Somebody can just say, oh, yeah, I think he's violent. Then they come and get your guns. What's your take on that, and how do you apply it to the the recent shooting? Well, the, the issue that we have with red flag laws most of the time is that they don't contain a section for due process. In other words, if you're the person that is accused, say say someone says your neighbor, as you say, um, he's violent, he's got these views, he said to me one day that he wanted to do X, Y, or Z, and they go to the police and the police file a red flag order against you, they come and seize your gun. During that process, you have had no chance to defend yourself in a court of law. And that's where the problem with the red flag laws come in. Uh, Most of the time, it's a we act before you're given a chance to prove your innocence. And the other part with the red flag laws is you have to prove your innocence, not the state prove that you're guilty, which is completely against our judicial system. You know, normally you're innocent until proven guilty, but with red flag laws, you're guilty until you prove yourself innocent. So we have to be very careful how we tread um, people's rights in the name of safety, uh, because you could stretch that, as they say, the slippery slope to include other things. Notice they don't take away a person's car when they say they're violent. How many people have taken a car and run somebody down because they're angry with them. You know, I'm angry at my ex-girlfriend, so you take away my guns. Fine. I'll just run her over and kill her. Right. So it's not it's not the tool we need to be worried about. We need to be more worried about the person with the mental illness and how we're dealing with it. So the red flag laws are very, very hard to properly, if they can be, institute them and to carry them out while still respecting people's rights. Okay. And the, the uh, constitutional carry... Uh, that I guess about half the states now have that in effect. You don't have to have any kind of background checked for that. Uh, Is there concerns that, hey, now there's going to be a lot of bad guys are going to slip through the cracks? We didn't have a great system before, but at least we had something. Now what do you say? Well, think about it. Background checks don't stop these things. And the shooting is a perfect example. He went through a background check, and did it stop the shooting? No, it didn't. Um, background checks are not going to stop people from committing violent acts. That's, that has nothing to do, they don't coincide with each other. They don't, you know, have any kind of a, a, if I do a background check, that means that the person's not a violent person. That doesn't mean that at all. All it means is that they haven't been arrested yet or they haven't committed a felony yet, they can be flagged on. Um, background checks are way overrated when it comes to violence control and stopping firearms. Um, from being used in crimes. Constitutional carry is a right. Constitutional carry is a 
thing that we as Americans should enjoy and be able to exercise. What people don't understand, you can't legislate violence out of people and evil out of people. What you can do, though, is you can legislate the ability of a person to be able to defend themselves and their family from exactly these kinds of things. You know, we've got cities that have phenomenally strict gun laws, New York and some of these bigger other cities, and they have terrible gun violence. If the laws were so good and they helped so much, why are the cities with some of the strictest gun control those with the most shooting? It's, it's, you can't legislate these kind of things. What you have to do is you have to dig deeper. Like you said earlier, you have to dig deeper and look at the mental health issues that we're facing in America now. Um, is it a growing trend? Is it something that is an epidemic? Is it something you really have to be careful when you label things with words because people jump on those and they go, oh, it's an epidemic. We're having these epidemic of mass shootings in the United States. And that's not necessarily the case. You have to look at the definition of mass shooting, who's defining it, when is it happening. And, you know, we had three big shootings over the weekend. We, we had one in Milwaukee where there were like 20-something people shot. Um, it was gang-related. They discovered later it was two gangs fighting it out. Well, that's not big in the news right now because, you know, we don't want to push the gang violence thing. And then there was the Asian shooting out in California. That was an elderly Asian man who shot other elderly Asian people. It's not racially motivated or anything big, so we're not going to make that huge in the news. But because this one involved a lone individual who obviously had some mental health issues because he was following. I got a chance to read his manifesto. I don't know if you had a chance to do it. But what he basically did was he mimicked the Christchurch shooting out of New Zealand where the guy went in and killed 50-something people. That is a warped and sick individual who needed some kind of mental uh, evaluation more than he got when he was in high school, and obviously he snapped and went off. You can't legislate that type of thing um, from happening. You can't make a law to stop somebody from becoming a lunatic. Just, there's no way. And and honestly, so many people suffer from some form of mental illness. You can't paint with that broad of a stroke and say, okay, any signs of mental illness, you absolutely can't own a gun, A, it doesn't prevent you from getting one, B, it takes in a whole lot of people that aren't violent and won't ever have the propensity to be violent. Yeah, it's, it's almost where you have to start defining which mental illness are we going to consider a possible, you know, now we're getting into the thought police. Now we're getting back into the, could this crime happen in the future kind of thing. There are many people who go throughout their life with mental illness of different kinds. I hate to say it, but, you know, like even some police officers, uh, myself included, if you worry about PTSD in your life sometimes when all the things that you see are, are you know, the violence and the death and the, and the terrible things that we have to deal with. But would a determination of PTSD on a police officer then say, well, he's not allowed to carry a gun because he could go off and kill people? Uh, what about somebody who's depressed and they're depressed because they have postpartum depression? Do they then say, well, that person has to be hospitalized because they may kill their baby? No, there's treatments and there's help for 99.99% of these people, and they are productive and normal citizens. Right. So you you, you can't label mentally ill people as being evil. It's not that. It's, It's the extremes. We're talking one person out of the, what, 383 million people in the United States who went out and did this? Right. You know, yes, it happens more often than we would like. How do we prevent it? You can't prevent it. How do we lessen the impact? 
let people defend themselves, let people be able to carry a firearm for self-defense of themselves and their families. Well, that would be really the best answer. And But that's the answer that the lefty media absolutely doesn't want to go to because this has been used as an effective way to divide, uh, you know, guns and talk about guns and gun control and all that. Uh, you know, the left has found that's a good way to divide people, show them constantly in the media how evil they are, how they kill people. Don't talk about the person who pulled the trigger. Keep talking about the tool, villainize it, and and so they make political hay with it. Uh, I'm with you. There are other solutions, but I don't know that a lot of these people will get on board. That's the problem. Well, you know, uh, go back to Timothy McVeigh. He didn't use a gun. He used a bomb and killed scores of people, including children, in one incident and never was on the radar as far as mental illness or anything like that. How do we prevent that? Right. Can't prevent everything in a free and open society. If you want to live like North Korea, you might be able to tamp it down a little, but I'm not moving there. I wouldn't like to live there. How about you? Nope. Nope, no? absolutely not. Chris Wagner, always a pleasure, my friend. We love it. We, we love the information you bring to the table. Thank you. Hey, appreciate you guys, too. That was Chris Wagner on the Bob Rose Rewind. Happy Saturday. Don't go away. Coming up next, Congresswoman Kat Kamek talking about Title 42 and the thousands of more immigrants that are going to stream across the border. That's next on the Bob Rose Rewind, 97.3 The Sky. Good Saturday morning to you. It's the Bob Rose Rewind as we continue, this time with Marion County Commissioner Carl Zalek. Great parks, lots of things going on in Marion County. A salute to EMS and a big fire, too. Let's get started. The Bob Rose Rewind, 97.3 The Sky. Carl Zalek in the house. Carl, how you doing? Good morning, Bob. We're doing great. We're killing it in Marion County and making it great again well yeah i i don't know if you heard the story i was doing earlier it was more specific to ocala but you know they mean the whole area yeah uh like number one place to move to according to uh uh this website and uh of course there's other people point to it as one of the top destinations but apparently yeah for every one person that leaves the area six move in wow that's i had not heard that statistics i knew we were doing about a you know, just under a thousand people a month are moving to Marion County, um, and so it's uh, again, it's obviously Florida's open. The governor's is is up there, just I mean, putting people in their place and and opening up a Florida, keeping things free. I mean, and people love it. I mean, we actually I met a, some people from Pittsburgh yesterday that were at the breakfast and CEP breakfast, and they're like, "Hey, we came down here because your governor told us to, and we love freedom." I mean, it's just that simple, right? It really is, and, and Marion <laughs> County is kind of echoes that. We do that sentiment. You really do. Yeah, we never had lockdowns or mass mandates, or you know, we believe in freedom and individual responsibility. We believe that people know better than we do. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's it, just that simple. <laughs> it's not hard. <laughs> hey, uh, it's a special week uh, designated uh, EMS uh, week by the American College of Emergency Physicians. Yeah. So, and this is EMTs are a part of all of this. Uh, it's an important component to public safety, isn't it? It really is. I mean, you know, listen, over over 80% of our calls to the fire department and 911 are medical calls, right? right? I mean, at the end of the day, we're we're... 
we're responding to those calls. Um, you know, we are actually number four um, in, in the uh, News Challenge Week in uh, top places for safety, uh, number six places to retire. I mean, we, we just go down those lists. We're a ranked in the top ten in so many different things. Um, and it's because of these things. Our sheriff, our, our fire chief um, uh, is just absolutely wonderful, and he gets this. And so rising to the challenge um, is, is kind of this paramedics week, EMT week, um, and we have ever-increasing call volumes. Uh, the tenacity of our employees is just incredible to handle that. In the mean, because in the meantime, we've had workflow shortages, right? right. People getting into the business, if you will, um, like everybody else across the state of Florida. Whether you want to be a deputy or a sheriff's office or or a police officer, or you want to be in the fire business, I mean, there are openings across the state of Florida, and so our people have the tenacity. They stay have stayed with us. We continue to work on pay and all those different things, but. In all of that, will you please say thank you? I mean, that, that's kind of the message I wanted to put out this morning, Bob, is that, you know, these guys are out there busting their tails, trying to get people, whether that's from a, you know, from the need of a nursing home to a hospital or, or something like that, or in a car accident or something else, right? Um, you know, and, and you're, you know, we want you to know that in your worst day and in that worst moment, we're going to be there for you. Uh, on the other, they were clip. there for me. Yeah, I was. You you remember this? Oh, yeah. I was driving down. I was in Marion County, and um, I I knew I was going to pass out. I could feel it. Yeah, and uh, I pulled over because driving while you're passing out is not going to be good for a anybody. Bad idea. Yeah, and uh, yeah, because one way or another, EMS will probably have to respond somehow. Better in this case. Anyway, called came out. Uh, just just the overall attitude, professionalism, and I don't know if I told you this, but both of them came in to visit me. At the ER, a couple hours later. Oh, I didn't even to know check that. Check on me. Wow, that's classy, and that and man, uh, they just they saved my life. They really did. Wow. And then they followed up. Yeah, and that, and that, and that those are the things like when you have that kind of people that we we create that kind of hopefully culture. Mm-hmm. And our fire chief uh, Banta, he's he's an amazing guy. Um, he gets it. I mean, you know, he's one of those guys that salted the earth, you know, started out on the back of a truck, man, just and and just loves these guys and gals that serve our community. Um, and so will you guys remember, hey, if you get a chance, if someone's actually like Bob, you had that thing, go tell them thank you. Write them a note. Drop them an email if you have their number. Um, you know, bring them a muffin or something. I don't know what it, you know, but whatever, the, you know, the good Lord lays on your heart, man, go do it for one of these folks and tell them thank you this week. Yeah, there you go. Pass it along. I love it. Yeah. yeah, you said they all respond to so many more medical emergencies than anything else now. Really? But it's not like there's never any fires. In fact, you had a pretty big one recently. Yeah. So, I mean, we had this this uh, right off of Mary Camp on Monday the sixteenth. It started about five thirty, um, and actually they've been they've been keeping an eye on it ever since. Um, but several twenty foot piles, oak trees, pine trees. It was this whole mulching operation um, over there. Four point five acres caught on fire. Uh, 18 Marion County units uh, responded, 27 firefighters. Uh, the homes uh, to the, adjacent to the property weren't damaged, so that was great. We were able to get there and kind of contain it in time. Um, over a million gallons of water, you know, we got there. Air One dropped water. I mean, we did it all and uh, really making sure. So our crews are just they're awesome, man. They do these and respond to these huge efforts uh, when we need them, and that's what it's there for, right? And still investigating the actual cause. Yeah, it's one of those things where you know you really got to wait till the fire's out to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Right. So. <laughs> All right, so uh, insurance issue. It's been a big one in the state of Florida. Marion County, no exception. Uh, sure. Uh, the governor is uh, trying to help out. What do you know? What's your role in this? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, one of the things that we want to do is, is is just tell the governor and the special session about what's going on in Marion County. Uh, the legislative uh, session will convene a special session 9 a.m. Monday, uh, the 23rd, extending no later than Friday the 27th. Uh, the governor believes it's necessary for the state of Florida to act to stabilize the insurance market. And so he's called them back to make sure that happens. And he's doing that. What I love about this governor is that he's being proactive to do that before hurricane season because you wouldn't believe how many calls I get from people that are getting dropped left and right. Left and right. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous, and it's uncalled for, and that should never happen in Florida. And they're doing it right before hurricane season, despite what they should be doing as insurance companies. It's wrong, and it's unjustified. Well, I, I, I know the governor and the folks in Tallahassee are going to take action. Are you going to come up there and yeah, uh, so my let goal, them know how you feel? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my goal is to be there representing Marion County. Um, you know, um, So you know, if, if there's an opportunity for us to speak on that, to tell those, some of those stories, to at least give the you know representatives i know they're getting calls too right but it's just to give them more ammunition we want to support them in making these changes you know hey i was down uh, in marion county saturday enjoying your uh, beautiful parks uh, got out on lake weir just really had a tremendous time and i awesome. know you want to touch on some of the natural springs and the features that that folks can enjoy right there in marion yeah county. you know so so i you launched that at carney island bob yes yeah so we have those incredible carney island boat ramps Very nice. all of that you can get out on the point if you want and and just fellowship with a with your marion county citizens i mean it's always a fun day out there there's plenty of pavilions you can rent for parties and all of that uh if you're cruising Please check out, you know, Gator Joe's is out there. Eaton's Beach is a wonderful place. You can mm-hmm. dock up, uh, enjoy some time with the family. They got an outdoor bar. The uh, the shrimp and grits, y'all, out of this world. Oh, and Eaton's Make Beach? sure. Yeah, I've had, I mean, I'm not a big grits fan. Yeah, but those are good. They're the best. <laughs> the, the best. <laughs> the best. Yeah. From Bob Rose himself, the best. Yeah. So don't miss it this weekend. It's going to be incredible as we start to get in summertime. Get out on Lake Weir. Get out on some of these other lakes, whether that's you know up in Lake Kerr, Salt Springs. I mean, we have the ecotourism is just incredible. Get down the Rainbow River, wherever you decide to enjoy. Um, make it happen in Marion County because we want you there. This time of year, always get calls asking about summer camps. Yes, there's a ton of them out there, but most of them, I, I've actually been getting calls. We're trying to actually open up one or two more because there's been so many sold Demand. out in literally five minutes. Um, so we're doing the best we can, but all of ours are sold out. Uh, you can go to uh, marionfl.org. Uh, that's parks.marionfl.org. Uh, or call 352-671-8560. And, yeah, uh, the demand is high because you keep growing that county keeps growing yep. and we'll have more and more things going on so just keep posted to our website marionfl.org and and uh don't don't be using their facilities down there if you're not from marion county except for me because i know carl yeah we got a wow. special vip pass for bob rose <laughs> wow. any day Woo-woo, just kidding <laughs> uh thanks carl always no appreciate problem, it that was Marion County Commissioner Carl Zellick on the Bob Rose Rewind. I hope your Saturday is starting off well. We're not done yet, though. Stick around. Congressman Greg Stubbe is going to join us next, talking everything from baby formula to orange juice. Next on the Bob Rose Rewind, 97.3 The Sky. If
It's the Bob Rose Rewind. Happy Saturday as we move things along to Congresswoman Kat Kamek. One of the things we're going to talk about is a citrus greening bill. That is important, as important as agriculture is to the state of Florida. Let's get to it. The Bob Rose Rewind, 97.3 The Sky. Good morning, Kat. How are you? Good morning, Bob and Greg. It is a beautiful day. Title 42, one week away. Uh, What's going to happen with that? Well, according to the Homeland Security's own estimates, we could be seeing 18,000 people a day coming across our border, which, keep in mind, we lose operational control of our border at 3,000 a day. So this is not immigration. This is an invasion. That's exactly what it is. And we just last week saw the Democrats vote to accept arrest warrants as proof of ID to get across the border and to get on a plane to go to anywhere USA. So we have no idea who these people are. They're all being flown and bussed around the United States on taxpayer time coming out of FEMA, which should be going to hurricane relief or tornado relief, uh, fire, you know, wildfires out west, you name it. This is a disaster. And I actually just got back from the border on Sunday Uh, this past Sunday in an impromptu trip because we broke the story last week that the Biden administration was stockpiling baby formula at the border. Meanwhile, you got moms and dads in Gainesville and Ocala that can't get baby formula. It's a disaster from start to finish. But the amount at the border wouldn't be enough to fill this gap. Is that correct? No, you know, and I've been very, very vocal about the fact that, listen, they have been stockpiling this for months, and it's not just baby formula. It's wipes, it's diapers, it's clothes, flip-flops, it's everything and anything you could ever need. They've been stockpiling this in warehouses. So even if you redistributed all of the baby formula at the border around the United States, it wouldn't make a dent because what has occurred here is that Biden has indicated through the, the FDA that they needed to shut down the Michigan plant, the Abbott, Michigan plant. Keep in mind that Abbott manufactures 43% of the entire market share in the United States of baby formula, over 90% of the specialty formula. They shut that plant down with no plan to backfill that remaining formula that they took off the shelves. They've had no plan. So my point in exposing this was, one, this just, again, shows what this administration's priorities are. And two, once again, The Biden administration is putting Americans last, putting things in place, in play, with no plan to rectify the situation on the back end. And they act surprised and say things like, well, if we'd been better mind readers, no. If you had had an ounce of common sense, Biden, you would have actually put a plan in place to ease regulations and to bring in other baby formula from overseas. But they didn't do that. It took literally an act of Congress and him being drugged through the mud for a week and moms and dads getting very, very angry for them to take action. Well, look, I think it's another thing that was done on purpose to create chaos because you can't do things this this uh, in such a sloppy fashion and call it uh, an accident or the lack of, of mind reading. I got a I got a text from a good friend of mine. He's involved in ag big time. And he said the bigger issue with the baby formula is consolidation in our food supply. Yeah, why do we have 43% of the baby formula made in one location? Yeah, I mean, that's and that highlights a great point, something that no one really talks about. 
it's like the baby formula cartel. There's only four manufacturers that really make up the market. And when you start digging into programs like WIC, which are designed to help young mothers that are struggling or low income, you see that the general fund isn't really subsidizing that. It's actually moms who are purchasing baby formula. They're uh, subsidizing these moms. And again, you point to the regulatory environment that has basically strangled business out of business. That is part of the problem. When you have an FDA and a CDC that is more intent on doing harm than keeping people safe, that's where you need to start looking. And yes, we should be diversifying. But I just think it's absolutely ludicrous that it took months and months and months of buildup and panic amongst parents to actually get the attention of this administration to say, oh, maybe we should do something. And then they outright lied and said, oh, we've had a plan all along. No, they didn't. They never had a plan. No, it's, uh, they have a plan. It's to create chaos. There's, there's no other way of looking at it. It, it can't be just a bunch of uh, dumb, lazy uh, government workers in the FDA. It's, it's more than that. We know it's more than that. Uh, let me switch gears quick. Uh, troops sent to Somalia. This was announced by John Kirby on Monday. Uh, what's going on here? Oh, they're not going to actively engage in any fighting, no matter what, he basically said. You know, I was reading that news story as Ilhan Omar was walking right in front of me yesterday, and I so badly wanted to ask her about uh, this this story. Look, we, we for too long have been in too many places around the world and places that we, quite frankly, don't belong. Unless there is a clear, credible threat to the United States, we do not need to be risking our young men and women in the line of, of fire. And I, I just I think that this is, again, mission cre- uh, creep, nation building, all the things that we should be getting away from. You see the Biden administration creeping right back into that big government um, uh, mindset. And, and it's just, it's, again, not where we need to be. It's something that I hope when we take the House back, we can rein this in. But I do think that it is going to take a switch in administration for us to get that mindset rectified. Yeah, it's, it, and it's not just sending the troops. It's We have to announce it to everybody. We'll announce how many we're sending. We'll give them timetables. And, and then we'll tell them, oh, by the way, they're not, they not going to be actively engaged no matter what. It, it, then what's the point? Yeah. Well, they're going to train the Somalians uh, to defend themselves against al-Shabaab theoretically, but why would you say, don't worry, none of our highly skilled, highly trained combat veterans uh, are going to get involved in any firefights? I put the fear of God in every one of those scumbag terrorists. You know, this is, I mean, I'm having flashbacks to Afghanistan. How much money did we spend in training the Afghan military. Yeah. How how quick were they to lay down their arms and take off their uniforms as the Taliban stormed across Afghanistan? This is the same story, the same storyline we've seen over and over and over and over again. What is it going to take for us to learn our lesson? It, it This, again, is just frustrating because we are in too many places around the world playing playing world cop, and we have real problems here at home an invasion at our southwest border, crime skyrocketing, narcotics flooding the streets, inflation through the roof, seniors can't afford rent. I mean, I could go on and on. Hey, but hey, again, hey uh, on uh, Congresswoman Kamek, uh, Joe Biden went up to Buffalo. Ten people were dead. He wanted to, uh, I, I guess, maybe show his respect, but he, he, of course he turned into a political circus. 
How many how many families uh, that lost people because of fentanyl crossing the border, killing uh, their children and husbands and brothers and sisters and all that? Uh, how many of those funerals did he attend? Uh, probably none. And as we all remember, as the bodies of the 13 that were killed in Afghanistan were being unloaded off the plane, he couldn't help but look at his watch multiple times, which the White House did a very poor job of covering that story up. Um, you know, listen, it's clear that this administration wants nothing more than to execute a political agenda. They don't actually care about everyday Americans. The Democrats are no longer the working class party. The Republicans have stepped up and they are representing everyday Americans across the country. Because unless you are a liberal uh, elite, a limousine liberal, someone on Wall Street, you don't fit into their narrative. They only want people who can be controlled and who want to be on the government dole. That's it. Let me, and so for all the families out there that have been affected by fentanyl, even in our own backyard, Bob, I mean, heck, they just found two pounds of fentanyl in Ocala the, uh, a couple weeks ago. They don't care about that. It's all about fitting and playing to the narrative. Congresswoman Kat Kamek on the Bob Rose Rewind. Happy Saturday, my friends. Stick around. Coming up next, Marion County Commissioner Carl Zalek. The folks are moving into Marion County. Also, a salute to EMS all on the way on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3 The Sky. Good morning and happy Saturday. You're tuned to the Bob Rose Rewind. We're not done yet. Last but certainly not least, Congressman Greg Stubbe. And we're going to talk about baby formula, orange juice, and a whole lot of things in between right now on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3 The Sky. Congressman, good morning. How you doing? Hey, good morning. How are you? Uh, fantastic. An hour ago, we were talking... Uh, uh, to one of your fellow patriots that serves in the House, uh, Kat Kamek. And uh, and she was enlightening us on a bill she's been working on real hard, uh, the Citrus Greening Bill. I know you serve a lot of uh, uh, part of the ag community, as along with, uh, you know, cityscapes. But um, are, I guess I should ask, are you familiar with the bill and uh, anything that you want to say about that? Yeah, anything that supports our citrus growers, uh, I've always supported um, I am the number one citrus-producing district in the entire nation. Most of that citrus, if not all of it, goes to juice. Uh, and our citrus growers have been hit hard over the years from a whole litany of different challenges, from pests to disease to greening to canker. Uh, the latest challenge they had was Irma. Um, there was a lot of fruit drop from Irma. The latest, um, even more recently, as of a month or two ago, we had that freeze that came down pretty south. Uh, and cause fruit drop, cause problems. And then you have the importation of concentrated juice from Brazil and Mexico that creates challenges. I actually have a bill also uh, that would prohibit the importation of Chinese citrus and South African citrus. Why in the world would the United States be importing Chinese citrus when we have our own domestic producers that need as much help as they can get? And, And just recently, this whole increase in price in diesel fuel you know, we don't th- we think about it when we fill our trucks up, but what we don't think about is the impact that that's having on overall production of foodstuff nationwide. And just for the citrus guys specifically who've been texting me, they're not doing inputs into the groves because they can't afford to run their tractors and spray the crops, fertilize the crops, fertilizers at a 300% increase in price for a variety of different reasons. If you could so, even get it, yeah. 
Yeah, and so the inputs they're putting into their grove is nowhere near what they typically would do, which means production is going to be down, which means supply is going to be down, which means it's going to further create uh, uh, challenges on top of already inflation and cause more inflation because they're not going to be able to do the things that they need to typically do in a grove because diesel prices are so high. Yeah, when you said that that you were concerned about the importation of Chinese citrus, that to me that's brilliant because you're learning from things that have already occurred. I'll give you an example: the swine flu. Remember that kind of sweeping flu uh, through affected and impacted the pork industry. Next thing you know, when the pork industry is really down on their knees, the Chinese come along and buy Smithfield hams, the largest pork producer in the U.S. I think, and this is just me, I think that they specifically try to do some form of damage to various industries, and then they fill that hole by either buying up those industries or by importation. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and what they're doing is they're hedging the protection of their own domestic food supply because the Chinese eat a lot of pork, and if they have swine flu in China and are not able to produce swine, they can use the domestic production since they own Smithfield and then ship it all in containers to China while lowering the supply to the United States because obviously they don't care about the United States. I don't, I don't think when we take the majority back in November, I think there should be a lot of thought put into bills that don't allow the Chinese Communist Party to, to purchase companies in our country, to purchase farms in our country, which they're also doing, to purchase all of these different assets that they're purchasing to protect their own people, and we're just acting blindly to what they're doing. Uh, and there's going to come a time, and we saw a little bit of this with COVID, where all the manufacturing is offshore, and suddenly you can't get all the things that you need from a medical perspective when there's another pandemic. You can't get things, uh, chips to run your vehicles, to run all the different things that we need for our military. And uh, I really hope that when we take the majority back, Congress is going to look very intently at bringing manufacturing back to the United States, protecting domestic production of food, because I certainly don't want to be getting Chinese and Mexican citrus that you don't know if they're even spraying DDT on it, and all of the different things that go into protecting the United States and our, and our supply chain. Now, I have a friend that's a dairy farmer, and he said, look, when it comes to the baby formula thing, one of the issues is our food supply is too consolidated. You've got one plant in Sturgis, Michigan, producing 43% of the baby formula for the nation. That that even lends itself to a national security risk because, uh, you know, if people uh, uh, take some of these uh, facilities out, well, look, it could be the FDA, but it just as easily could have been, you know, started on fire, sabotaged as well. Uh, they're taken offline. How come we don't have food production that is more spread out? We absolutely should. And these are things that we, we need to be looking at. And the Biden administration, why in the world you would not think, if you were the Biden administration, that you shut down a baby formula manufacturing company who produces 43% of the baby formula and there's not going to be repercussions nationwide to shortages, I have no idea. I mean, any, any reasonable person with a reasonable amount of intelligence would know if you take out the company and the manufacturing plant that is producing 43% of America's baby formula, that something's going to happen to make up for that, or you're going to have the shortages that you're seeing today. And, and they, don't, they just don't care. And what, what, what gets past me is with the trillions, literally trillions that the Biden administration's asked for, 
The FDA claims they're underfunded and undermanned to deal with the baby formula issue. And the EPA, Kat Kamek, the congresswoman, heard from the EPA because I said, why won't the EPA greenlight the uh, the citrus greening bill? Because it's a, like a chemical that you put on it. I go, right. are they concerned yeah. about groundwater or whatever? She says they haven't even begun testing because they claim they don't have the money or resources to do it. And this is why it is so important that the states take over these type of priorities, and these should be issues that the states deal with. We have our own Department of Environmental Protection, the state of Florida, that could be doing these things a lot quicker, a lot faster, and a lot safer for Floridians specifically, but nationwide every state has their own environmental protection agency, and you have this huge bureaucracy in government of the the behemoth of the federal government that has bloated and bloated and bloated over the years, and taken over over things that specifically should be states' issues, education, environmental protection, all of these things should be state decisions because what what's good for Florida water quality isn't going to be good for Montana water quality. So your, your, your Florida-specific environmental protection agencies should be focused on the things that affects Floridians and every state should be focused on those type of things and not the federal government. Well, I agree with that, but there are the lefty uh, federales right now that they're enjoying this power and they want more power. And in fact, I don't think it's a funding issue at all with both the FDA and the EPA. I think when it's convenient, they slow walk things. What they're doing is they're weaponizing these federal agencies like we saw with the FBI or earlier the IRS and the Tea Party. No, they're absolutely weaponizing every agency in the federal government to to push a leftist um, progressive agenda on the American people. Uh, look no farther than DHS a couple of weeks ago. Mayorkas was before the Judiciary Committee and said, oh, you know, uh, Congressman Gates asked, hey, why, why haven't you sh- deported the 1.2 million that a judge has already said isn't here legally? Their case isn't bona fide and they should be deported. Why haven't you? Oh, we're, we don't have the resources. We have finite, I think his exact quote was, we have finite resources. Then why are you creating a climate change committee within the Department of Homeland Security? Why are you focused on all this leftist propaganda and not focus on the security and the safety of the American people and actually kicking people out that a judge has ordered to be deported in our country. Every agency in the federal government is doing this. So they have plenty of resources, um, plenty of resources. We've, we've just in the four years I've been in Congress, we were a $21 trillion deficit when I got elected. We're over a $31 trillion deficit. Every day you're looking at another spending bill that the Democrats are bringing to the floor for trillions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars, another $40 billion to Ukraine. Like all, There's plenty of money. It's the focus of this federal government and their leftist propaganda and progressiveness that they're focused on using the money instead of what we should be focused on, and that's the American people. And they're, and they're still wanting more money for spending, and even uh, left-of-center economists have said, no, stop spending. This has led to inflation. It would only, it would only get worse. But uh, Congressman Greg Stubbe, we appreciate your service to your country and serving now as a congressman. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was Congressman Greg Stubbe on the Bob Rose Rewind. Thanks to all my guests, including Marion County Commissioner Carl Zalek, Congresswoman Kat Kamek, and our Second Amendment supporter, Chris Wagner, started things off this morning. Thank you for tuning in to the Bob Rose Rewind, and I invite you to tune in Monday morning starting at 6 a.m. for the Bob Rose Show, along with Greg Cassidy, right here on 97.3 The Sky.